Fodder's Day to all the fodders in our audience this morning. We're glad that you're here. If you'll take your outline out, we're going to talk about dads today. We're going to talk about how Jesus' dad heard from Jesus' father, and we'll expound upon what that means here in just a moment. I think most of you get that. But before we do, I want to draw your attention back up to the screen as we quickly go through the top ten list of why it's so cool just to be a man. Here we go, number one. You know stuff about tanks. Number two, number nine, actually, we're going downhill. Okay. You can go to the bathroom without a support group. Number eight. If someone forgets to invite you to something, he can still be your friend. Number seven. You can drop by to see a friend without bringing a little gift. Isn't that great, guys? Number six. Some another guy shows up at the same party in the same outfit. You might become long life buddies, man. That's like a cool thing for us. Not so much for the women folk. Number five. One wallet. One pair of shoes. One color. Now watch this. All seasons. Oh, it's so easy to be a man. Number four. There are all. There's always a game on somewhere. Number three. Your pals can be trusted never to trap you with that. So notice anything different? We never say stuff like that. Number two, if, some, if something mechanical doesn't work, you can bash it with a hammer and then throw it across the room. One of the coolest things about being a dad except for this next one. Watch this. Number one reason why it's so cool to be a man. You can do your nails with a dun -da -da -da, pocket knife. There you are, right there. I know some of you women are thinking, oh, wow, and you're coveting this thing? But let me just tell you, the 10th commandment says, thou shalt not covet. Yeah, not so much, huh? All right, well, dads like them anyway. I want to talk to you about this dad-father thing this morning. Remember, Jesus needed a mother, an earthly mother. God chose who? Mary. For a number of good reasons. But God also chose Joseph. Also, for a number of good reasons. No, Joseph was not the heavenly father. But he knew someone needed to raise that boy. He needed a righteous man. He needed a man who was merciful. And he needed a man who was faithful. Now dads, I believe, are different from moms. Moms are always doing stuff. Have you noticed that? Busy, busy, busy. Mom's always doing stuff. Dad, he's a little bit more laid back than that. Dads are kind of like tools in the garage. They just kind of hang around, but when you need them, boom, you go and get that tool and you use it. Dads are kind of like that. They're different. We're wired different. And the father I want to speak about this morning was a carpenter. And I will admit that he was overshadowed by his wife. I mean, when you talk about 
the story of the birth of Christ, uh, Jesus is the star, right? But who's the leading lady? I mean, it's, it's all about Mary after that, right? And Joseph's in there, but he's kind of in the background. He's a supporting role. Mary, as we read the scriptures, and we're about to here in a moment, she really has the leading role. And I want us to look at three important passages, and then we'll build upon it this morning. Let's first of all go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, that word pledged there um, is similar, but not quite like our custom of engagement. In the Jewish culture, if you were pledged to be married, it was as if you were already married. However, the ceremony hadn't taken place, And the sexual union hadn't taken place. There's no consummation yet. But in God's eyes and in man's eyes, everyone knew, hands off, that is a married woman for all practical purposes. Do you get that? That's the pledge type of a deal. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. We know that story. Because Joseph, notice what it calls him, Her husband was a righteous man. What does that tell us about Joseph? He's a good guy. He is a righteous man. God handpicked Mary, but God also handpicked Joseph. Never forget that. Why? He was a righteous man, and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. What's going on in his mind? She is not the girl I thought she was, right? But he doesn't want to expose her, and so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Next verse. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Why? Because... What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What she told you, Joseph, was true. Right? You see that? She told you this story, but it took an act of God. It took a dream and an angel of the Lord appearing to him to say, Look, she wasn't lying to you. What she's telling you was the truth. She'll give birth to a son. You're to name him Jesus. Why? Because he'll take... Uh, He'll save his people from their sins. Next verse. Now we're going to take a look at uh, when Joseph woke up. Here's what happens. He he obeys immediately. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Wish we would all obey that quickly when the Lord tells us to do something, right? And he took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her. Remember, this was an immaculate conception. It was a virgin birth until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. This is an obedient man. Now later, he'll have his own children. He'll have a a family. Jesus had brothers. Jesus has sisters. We'll read about that in a minute. Next verse. This is Matthew 2, 13 and following. When they had gone, and those that had gone, the background here is um, the Magi, the wise men from the east. Herod's trying to 
find Jesus because Jesus wants him dead. He's trying to use the Magi. And, uh, but they, they give a warning. Watch out for this dude. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child. Notice, this is a different word for you're going to conceive a baby. This word in the Hebrew refers to a child about two years old. This is a toddler, okay? Where do we most typically um, see the wise men? In the Christmas nativity scenes. They're at the manger, right? That was baby Jesus with the shepherds. Wise men weren't there. This is sometime later. Probably it's estimated Jesus is about two years old when this happens. There's a screwball king by the name of Herod. He's heard about a king being born and overthrowing the current kingdom. And he's afraid of that. And so this screwball king Herod commands that all the baby boys, two years and younger, be killed. Can you imagine the heartbreak and the sadness that's going on in Israel at this particular time? I mean, this is like ISIS kind of stuff. Horrible. Ungodly. And... The angel of the Lord appears again and gives a warning and a command. Take the child and his mother, that's Mary, and escape, where? To Egypt, a foreign land. It's far away. <laughs> and uh, you got to get out of here. It's dangerous to be here. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother, during the night, and left for Egypt. Another remarkable side to Joseph. He heard, and he what? Obeyed. We read a verse. The Bible says it. And then we're supposed to what? Do it. It's just that simple. The Bible's not hard to understand. Oh, the book's so hard to understand. No, you read it, and then you do it. Makes sense, doesn't it? Joseph heard the word, and then he obeyed the word. Stay there until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I call my son. Prophecy is a very, very impressive and powerful tool to prove something. Jesus fulfilled a number of prophecies that were out of his control showing us beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was who he claimed to be, the Messiah. And this is just one of them. Next verse. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Okay? We've already seen three things. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Okay. What she told you is true. He obeys. Child's born. Herod's out to go. Flee. Go to Egypt. He hears. He obeys. Herod's now dead. One more commandment. Get up. Take the child and his mother. That'd be Mary. Go to the land of Israel. Go back home now. It's safe. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, 
took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. That's way up north. I see a guy who's very protective of this baby, don't you? You know, not only is he going to make him safe, he's going to take him as far away from this dude, Herod's son, as possible. So uh, he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. Here's another fulfilling of prophecy. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a, what? Nazarene. Jesus of Nazareth. That's what he was known as. Now the religious folks didn't really like the northerners. The northerners up in this particular area are not like us. We're down here in Judea. We got all the colleges, the universities. We're smart. We're educated. We've got the temple. And they meet in little synagogues. Oh, yeah, they come down, you know, three times a year for worship, like the Bible says to do. But they're kind of the farmers, the agrarians, the fishermen. And so when Jesus came on the scene as a rabbi, he was not accepted because he wasn't from the right place. But yes, he was. The scripture said he will be called a Nazarene. All happened through what? The obedience of dad. Not the father, but dad, Joseph, who obeyed. A righteous man, a merciful man, a faithful man, a man who obeyed. And so God wanted both a father and a mother to raise his son. I think it's ideal to have both. Uh, Many children are growing up without that blessing. Uh, And most single parents will tell you just how hard it is to raise children on your own. Now, having said that, let me say a word to single parents. Don't despair if you're having to raise your children on your own. Um, You have to be both mother and father of sorts to your kids. But here's a promise from God. See Psalm 27.10. Notice what it says. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. The Lord will provide for me. And so single parents, we salute you for your diligence. We salute you for doing the best you can in raising your children. And I say God bless you as well as the dads this morning. But why did God choose Joseph? Three things, and then I'll let you fathers go and enjoy your Father's Day festivities for the day. Number one, he was a loving man. The scriptures draw a picture of a very caring and affectionate man. First of all, he was loving toward Mary. Matthew 1.19 says, Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her, how? Quietly, quietly, Joseph finds out Mary is pregnant, and the child is obviously not his. He, he did all the right things, he's probably thinking to himself, in all the right ways. You know, I pursued her, um, when we would hold hands and go for long walks, I mean, I talked about our preferred future together. 
honey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a carpenter. I'm good at it. I'm going to be a good provider. I'm going to build us a little yellow house with a white picket fence. And I'm going to have a cabinet, a carpentry shop, and I'm going to build things for people, and everyone's going to flock to me, and it's just going to be fantastic. And then he learns that this sweet little girl that he thought he knew so well is now pregnant. Right? I mean, you know this is, you know what he's thinking. I know of only one way when women get pregnant, and I've not been with you that way, so he's not buying the God thing. Oh, Joseph, don't be upset. The baby's God's. Right. You know, he's not buying that stuff. But you know what? He was still loving toward Mary because she was facing the death penalty at that time. Jewish law said, you stone the adulterer. And she was very much pregnant in the Jewish eyes at that time. But Joseph didn't have any vengeance in his heart. I think his hell is he still loves the woman. He doesn't want any harm done to her. In his mind, she's been unfaithful. But in his heart, he still loves her and wants no harm to come to her. And so he wants, he's still got to give a writing of divorcement. The law of Moses said that. But he wants to do it down low. Let's do this low key. Let's not get the word out. Let's not have any harm come to her. And so Joseph loves her. And dads, fathers this morning, the best gift you can give your children is to love your children's mother. The way Joseph Love this woman. Wouldn't that be a good gift? Keep the family intact. Love her. Ephesians 5 verse 25 says this. Husbands, love your wives. Well, how should I do that? Just as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? This much gave himself up for the church. It's never asked of the wife to lay down her life for her husband, but it is asked of the husband, if need be, to do that. For her. So he was a loving man who loved Mary, but he also loved Jesus. There's no attitude in the scripture. You, you never read, well, this boy is not really mine. He's not bone of my bone. He's not flesh of my flesh. You don't read any of that stuff in the scripture. As a matter of fact, you read almost the opposite. There's no resentment, there's no indifference, there's no lack of love. Joseph adopts Jesus, he protected him from Herod. Uh, remember when Jesus was lost for that three days? I mean, he, in Jesus' mind, he wasn't lost. But in Joseph and Mary's mind, he was very much lost. He went looking for that boy. You, you know, those were anxious moments. And Mary speaks up when they finally find him. How could you do this to your father and I? Mm, Jesus saying, no, that, that's my dad. That's my father. I must be about my father's business. Jesus' dad heard from Jesus' what? Father. That's today's message. And he loved Joseph, and he taught him a trade. He loved Jesus. Joseph loved Jesus, and he taught him a trade. And Joseph accepted the one that the world rejected. Now, fathers, we too have a responsibility to provide for our families, like Joseph did. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. 
And, and we need to tell our children regularly that we love them. My father's generation had a hard time with that. You know, Jane would tell you stories, and in my family, we didn't, my dad didn't tell us he loved us a lot. Jane's parents didn't tell their kids they loved them a lot. It wasn't until years later, everybody kind of warmed up, and we started that little tradition now. But it started with when Jane and I, I think we were in Lubbock, Texas, and we'd call home on the holidays, and we'd say, we'd always end the call with, love you. And then when we greet one another, oh, I missed you. And we would say, that's when, but they had a hard time saying it. I don't know why dads in that generation did, but I kind of made it a point early on, I want my boy to know that I love him. I don't know why we have a problem with that. Our Heavenly Father doesn't have a problem telling us, his children, he loves us, right? So dads, tell your kids you love them. Get that emotional attachment. And if you got these little guys I used to get down on one knee like this. Get down on eye level. Look your son, look your daughter in the eye. Give them your full attention. Because God loves you as if you were the only one to love. He's paying full attention to you. We don't think of it that way. Because there's so many people and we go, oh, how can God look at me as if I'm the only one at this time and pay total attention to me and everybody else at the same time? He can because He's God. You know, I think we sometimes picture God as we're praying. You know, He's texting. God's not texting while you're praying. He's focusing on you. Dad, spend time every day focusing on your children. Let them know how much you love them. 1 Timothy 5.8 But if anyone doesn't provide for his own, I think that provision there is emotional, physical, spiritual, all that's included. Especially his own household, especially his own family. He's denied the faith and worse than an unbeliever. He was loving toward Mary. He was loving toward Jesus. Number two, he was a devout man. He obeyed God. He followed God's directions. We just got finished reading all the directions he followed. When God told him to marry Mary, what did he do? He got up, married Mary. When God told him to flee into Egypt, he got up, went to Egypt. When God said, time to come back home, he came back home. He was a man of obedience, but he also was a man of faith. See, it takes, it takes faith to pack your bags and head off to a foreign country like Egypt with no prospects of a job, no planning. You just got to leave in a hurry. He had faith, and he obeyed. Here's the point. Fathers, our faith will speak to our children, and so raise them to have faith in God. Well, how do I do that? I show faith in God when times are tough. I show faith in God during the difficulties of life. I read a story about a farmer who had toiled over a bumper crop we live in Southern California. We're not used to farming, but I lived a certain amount of time in Texas and New Mexico. And Portales, New Mexico, was an agrarian city. Uh, they raised a lot of peanuts. That was the big crop. Milo, corn, wheat, some dry land, some wetland farming. 
and everything revolved around the crop. And you could just hear the farmers. We had a number of farmers in the church there where I was an intern moaning and groaning about the weather and about the crops. But man, on those years where things were going well, I have to be there during a time like that. They were all looking forward to the excitement of a bumper crop. And this particular farmer was excited. He was going to have more grain than he'd ever had before. That crop was going to pay off debt. That crop was going to buy future seed for the next season. That crop was going to buy new farm equipment. And oh, maybe even a vacation for the family. He was excited. This crop looks so good. And just a few days before the harvest, a freak storm came, a hell storm came, and wiped out that entire crop. Can you imagine? And that little boy and his father were overlooking this field where this had just taken place. And the little boy wrote, and he says, I actually thought my dad was going to start cursing. He said, but instead, my dad began to sing a song. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. And his dad began to sing that song. And the little boy said, I couldn't believe it. My dad's crop was wiped out. And he's singing to Jesus. Years later, that boy grew up to become a man. And he said, that still to this day was the greatest sermon I ever saw. Greatest sermon I ever heard. Where did he hear that sermon? From his father. His earthly dad. Joseph was a dad like that. I want to be a dad like that. When times are tough, we turn to God. We say, God, ugh, my back hurts. Would you lighten my load? And God says, well, why don't you pray for a stronger back? Thank you, Tony. Got that from you all not long ago. Makes sense, doesn't it? That's faith. Rather than praying for God to lighten the load, pray to God to give you a stronger back. That was Joseph. And that's the kind of father's that God is looking for. This father showed his son faith where the rubber meets the road during the tough and the difficult times. And then he not only obeyed, he not only was a man of faith, but he was a man who was faithful in his spiritual duty. This guy set the tone. There's a synagogue we'll read about Jesus going to and doing an expository sermon in Nazareth. You'll read that in Scripture. That was their family synagogue. The whole family went. Why? Joseph set the example. And then when we went to the temple three times a year, who led the way? Joseph. He set the example. He was a man of God all the feast days. He led that. He was a man of God. He set the spiritual tone in his family. Now, if you went online this week, I wrote a little article where I tell a story about my dad. Did any of you read the article? 
my dad played Reveille. Any of you? Let me see your hand if you read that article. Okay, you, so you know this story. The rest of you, go online. You'll get the full detail, but I'll give you the, the miniature Reader's Digest version real quick. When my brother and I were teenagers, we shared a room, and we'd often stay out late on Saturday night. And the last thing we teenage boys wanted to do was get up early and go to church. My dad often worked that shift where you get home late at night, you only get a few hours sleep, but he was the first one up every Sunday morning. He'd walk, mom and dad's bedroom was there, ours was over here, he'd walk down the hall, knock on our door, open it up, and then he'd play Reveille. Not on a bugle, but, you know, hand motions and all. And we just, oh, pull the covers up over our heads. We, you know, last thing we wanted to hear. And then he'd come over our bed if we did that. And then the, the command, all right, troops, rise and shine. We'll be leaving at all 900. Or, you know, he'd use all that military talk. And I think it's kind of funny at that point. We're kind of awake and, all right. And I must admit, at the time as a teenager, probably didn't really like being awake in that way. But looking back on that experience, that made me have a spiritual commitment to how important what we're doing here this Sunday morning is. And I raised my family to be churchgoers. And in that article, I said, if my dad were given the sermon this morning, he would say, Dads, don't leave the church going to the moms. You set the example. You set the tone. You be the spiritual leader. And this morning, about 6 o'clock when I got up, first thing I did is I went over to the computer and I typed in a happy Father's Day message to my son. And I said, dear son, happy Father's Day. Hope you enjoy all the wonderful things that go with it. But there's also responsibilities too. Um... And part of that responsibility is to be the spiritual leader of your home. Your mother and I are proud of you. God bless. Have a great day. What was I saying? What my father was saying to me, in a little different way, he played Reveille. We now send emails. And this morning, he is somewhere in the Temecula Valley with his family, worshiping God. Passing that faithfulness from one generation to another. Because I've got a little Blake. I'm now a grandfather. And uh, just saw an email yesterday. You know how we can, you, you can take pictures of your kid on the email and send it? His first steps, Blake's first steps, unassisted. Mom's here, dad's there. Those first two or three steps before they fall forward happened yesterday. That was so cool. Great to be a fa- grandfather as well as a father. But learn these things from dad. Here's another little boy. He was playing at home on a Sunday morning while his dad said, sat sitting in a lounge chair reading his newspaper. He said, son, go get ready for Sunday school. And the little boy says, okay, daddy, uh, did you go to Sunday school when you were a little boy my age? He says, I certainly did. Are, are you going to go with me today, daddy? I'm certainly not. And the little boy walked away saying, 
Yeah, and it probably won't do me any good either. See the difference? One sets an example, the other just gives a command. Dads, don't just give commands. Set the example. Set the example. Why? Our kids are watching our faithfulness. They're not just hearing the words, they're watching what we do. He was a loving man, he was a devout man, and he was a wise man. And we'll close with this real quick. Joseph was wise because he lived as one who redeemed the time. Bruce, what does that mean? Let me develop this just a little bit. By all accounts, if you do any research on this, you'll find that apparently Joseph had a shortened life. We, we don't read about him after Jesus' childhood. He is just completely off, out of the scene. Even at the cross, you remember when he's, Jesus is now on the cross, the only disciple, there's Mary, and the only disciple that is at the cross is John. And Jesus on the cross says, Mother, looks at Mary, then looks at John, Behold your son. It was the responsibility of the oldest child, if the father had died, to make sure that the mother was taken care of. Because in that society, women had very few rights. It was almost a death sentence for your husband to die. And you had no heirs, no children, no one to take care of you or protect you. And he says, John, you're the man. Now, didn't you say earlier, Bruce, that Jesus had other brothers? Yeah. Well, why not let them take care of her? They weren't believers yet. And Jesus isn't turning his mother over to the hands of an unbeliever. He says, John, you're it. You're stepping up. Take care of mom. But Joseph used his time wisely. He provided for his family. He set a godly example. And he raised his kids right. Because later those other boys became believers. And you read about four boys in the scripture, but two of those other four, biological children of Joseph, wrote books in this book. Have you ever written or read the book of James? That's James, the brother of Jesus. He became a believer. See, up to this point, Jesus was good and all that, but I, don't, I think they had a strained relationship. You try growing up as second eldest in a household with a perfect brother. You know? Jesus never gets in trouble. James, he was always getting in trouble. That had to be difficult. But he wasn't a believer. Now he becomes a believer. When Jesus is raised from the dead, whoa. That was a defining moment for James. James became such a strong believer, he became a leader in the church. When you read about the Jerusalem council, James is one of the elders that they go to for counsel. He wrote, one of the, he wrote the book of James. And when you read that little book of Jude, another brother of Jesus. Joseph did something right when you raise boys like that. I love this guy named Joseph. I admire what he did. So let's wrap this thing up. Fathers, 
None of us know how much time we're going to have with our children. Joseph obviously didn't, but he redeemed the time and made the best of the time by encouraging his family, by setting the example, providing for their needs. Spiritual, physical, emotional. This man, Joseph, inspires me. He wasn't perfect by any means. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And every dad in here, this one included, would say, yes, I too stumble, I too fumble. But we're all trying to be the best dads that we can be, just like this dad named Joseph. And so let's challenge each other to do the same. Amen, dads? Amen. Let's pray and ask for God's help. How many of you fathers today would raise your hand with me? Mine's up and say, I need help. Thank you. Father, I pray that by your